Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments ranging from single site projects to multi-million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations, Alliance Leisure Services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Local Government. Today we're having a really interesting conversation with the Head of Facilities, Tom Smith, from the London Borough of Ealing. Tom, how are you this morning? Hi, Matt. I'm good, thank you. I'm really excited to be on and, and get speaking. Amazing. Well, firstly, thank you for coming on. Um, now, now to the topic. So facilities management. For most of us in society, facilities is something that we have no idea what it is. It's sometimes a term that gets banded around. You might have heard of Carillion, um, but it's a really, really important part of um, the way in which a council's run. And also in broad society, it's a really important uh, piece of service delivery that goes on behind the scenes. So that's what Tom, Tom's an expert in facilities, and he'll be talking to, to us today in his capacity as an individual, not talking about London Borough of Ealing, but more about the general themes about facilities uh, that exist in the market. So Tom, as the expert, could you, for the listeners at home, just tell us what is facilities? Yeah, of course you can. So uh, facilities management is probably the the most broadest of, of conversation topics you could probably wish for. Uh, it is the sort of thankless industry it's known as. So facilities is the stuff that everybody just expects to work and doesn't think about sort of in the background. So when you go out with your kids on the weekend to the park, um, you need the toilet running and the water flowing, or when you go shopping and the, the lighting in the shopping centre you expect to be working, that is all part of facilities management. So it's we are often in the, in the industry to break it down into two two sections of hard services and soft services. So hard services facilities management is your your maintenance as it were. So, you know, your gas, electric, um, all that sort of stuff, fabric, building maintenance. And then the soft side is sort of customer engagement skills, sort of customer service and security uh, and cleaning. Um, so that sort of facilities in a nutshell, I think most people have a sort of general handle as to what it is, but probably not the wider extent. Uh, facility management are often the people that you call when you when you don't know who else to call essentially. So in my career, we've had uh, all sorts of weird and wonderful requests raised through our help desk. Uh, the stuff that generally might sit possibly in other areas, but ends up with facilities management. So it's a, a wide and varied industry, but uh, a really exciting one, I think. So it's, it's fair to say that the facilities managers are the, are the Batman of uh, of the local government, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> I think um, definitely we are in a, like I say, in an industry whereby people expect things to work and often probably don't really appreciate the work that goes into uh, that needs to be done to actually make every single day run smoothly. You know, I'm obviously working in a large office here. Um, there is just bits and pieces that need to be done, meeting rooms that need to be set up, to portage tasks, et cetera. All sorts of stuff that happens. And as you say, the Batman probably a uh, quite a nice way of looking at sort of linking FN to, uh, to stuff that people can relate to. I think that's the thing as well, guys at home, just like if you think about this, it, you know, in terms of, yes, it's, you know, it, 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 at a very much simplistic level, you've got hard and soft FM, but scale that up, scale it up to the size that we're talking here, whereby you've got 
hundreds and hundreds of corporate uh, community buildings. You've got commercial buildings, you've got a uh, head office, and it's about how do I deliver a safe environment at, that is cost effective? Um, and one of the things I want to, we're going to talk today about, about is insourcing versus outsourcing, because sometimes it feels like almost like a, car a carousel uh, kind of theme in local government. We're going to insource and now we're going to outsource it. And, but we'll come back to that in a second. How does facilities affect the community, Tom? So I think, as I mentioned earlier, facilities has a, a sort of almost been a, a, an invisible role in the if your basic things aren't working, i.e. your lighting, your heating, uh, your building isn't running sufficiently, then those services that are running uh, counterparts, that are running you know, uh, community functions or whatever it might be, or school or whatever it might be doing, some sort of service to, to the community, then obviously that is massively impacted. So how we uh, how we make sure the buildings are running smoothly essentially has a, a massive massive impact on what services can be run out of those properties uh, and then obviously in turn you know the community are getting what they need and what they want from those services because their families are running smoothly i mean we talk about the places like libraries they are you know sort of in the government well known sort of um the heart of communities a lot of the time where we have a lot um of libraries and eating um different districts of of eating and they are still quite heavily used to this day they've obviously um changed a little bit in how they operate so you know they might be pushed towards the digital side of things um but obviously books in the old school center are still very very popular we run a lot of community uh, services out for those libraries and they're, they're a good example of buildings that need to be need to be running well and need to be compliant. Nobody wants to be going to a building that is non-compliant or has a roof leak or whatever it might be. And so the, the impact it has on the community on the wider community can actually be quite drastic. When we've had to close buildings in the past or whatever issues we might have, um, you know, it, it does have a, it does have an impact. You know, nobody wants their, their kids not to go to school because there's a health and safety incident or whatever it might be, some sort of hazardous area where nearby the school has to shut space or not be able to use it or whatever so yeah massive massive impact i think this is the message i sort of try and drum home a lot of people when i'm uh when i'm sort of explaining to them when i spoke to the staff and staff who maybe feel slightly disengaged or disenfranchised or something i sort of trying to explain to them the sort of wider impact their work can have um and i think that often once you have those conversations with people they start to appreciate what you do a little bit more we in my, in my experience, what I've tried to do is, is sort of push uh, to bang the drum again as to what facilities is and why it's so important and what we do to help you as service providers um, carrying out your business. We are a support function, but a very, very critical one. Um, and I think the, over the last, since I started my career in 2008, um, facilities is probably one of the fastest growing industries um, in terms of awareness around it. Um, back in the day, people just thought caretakers and site managers were there doing, you know, all the magic stuff and, and everything ramped up and actually introduced a greater awareness around it. Um, and, and I think that's brilliant, you know, people can uh, talk about FM and think about FM about the career path that they might actually want to go down. I've spoken to, I've been into schools and spoken to kids about it and what it is. I had some interest that side, I've some family members that I've been able to speak to. So yeah, I mean, I, when I left school, obviously I didn't know what city most of us. Like most of us, I sort of fell into it. I think if you speak to any uh, facilities manager or facilities management professional, or particularly a certain vintage, they'll tell you they started, you know, as an engineer, and, and 
porter as a cleaner, whatever it might be in the room of discipline, and sort of work their way into a facilities management sort of management role. Um, most of it sort of have come up that route. Whereas I think now it's it's a pretty uh, widely regarded profession. There's obviously um, professional um, diplomas and degrees you can get in university courses around facilities management stuff that probably wouldn't be existing when I was of that age. So yeah, really, really interesting industry for me. And I'm going to say that to the biased, obviously, I've been in it for 15 years. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's as it does have a huge impact, and people are starting to appreciate that we do a little bit more than probably back in in my day of the life. No, definitely. I think it is. A, it is a. It's a great profession to go into, and I think for anyone listening who, you know, it's it's so much of a personality orientated job because you have to be able to communicate with all stakeholders. And you you are the the gatekeeper of safety. You've got to make sure that that environment is safe and is maintained to the standards. Otherwise, it costs a huge amount of money. I mean, for example, if you don't, if you've got to say a, a boiler unit you fix year on year, you know, you could you know change that for a new one now. And what would the cost be? And then you scale that up. And it's when you've got financial constraints like that, that's where the real challenge is. But facilities, absolutely, very very respected. And I agree with you. I think the the recognition for the role they have is massively growing, particularly past COVID. I mean, uh, like COVID, obviously, I'm going to talk specifically about Ealing. But for the industry of facilities, how hard was COVID in local government? I mean, it was really difficult. I think uh, it was difficult for everyone. I think in the industry, it's not. It's not Play that at all, but I have to say, in, in particular industries we've been, um, obviously we've witnessed it firsthand. It was really quite challenging and difficult because of a lot, a lot of places were shut, um, and we still had to get in to do, you know, your PPM, your maintenance. So we had to get in and do things in buildings, and obviously the restrictions didn't allow two people to work quite closely together, and sometimes that might happen. So we get specific risk assessment, etc. Our cleaning operation ramped up massively. So when everything else was sort of being scaled down, our cleaning operation was sort of scaling up. Um, and it changed in how we clean sort of our central office context, certainly and others. Um, you know, so it was challenging. And if we, you know, trying to get the staff that are in new roles security, same thing, uh, on board and engage with it is really, really, really key point. You know, you are key workers and you are doing it really really important it's right there like i said i think cleaning has to get a special mention too because you know, we all know how how things change massively and you know, all that sort of stuff and the additional cleaning that needed to happen um, and obviously being big stuff there was need to stumble and stay open and stay operational some of the services we provide that were obviously crucial it was hard in the job accommodation and some stuff so yeah, it was tough, but um, I think we made it pretty well. Uh, and I think most of the country would probably agree that I think those people really were well, well recognised at the end, sort of, you know, we sort of one-time heroes, alongside, obviously, the NHS, who was in the absolute stars. But I do think that he went up as a local government and bring the sort of arenas. Sort of, they were better respected, I think, afterwards. Yeah, definitely, because I think COVID was one of those. Again, sometimes you you worry that it's kind of gone back the other way that it's a, it's it's short lived in the memory of the community. But it's it's the important part about a council that every single person has a role to play, and that every person, you know, you know, with it, you know, with the cleaning, um, uh, hard services on the kind of maintenance side, you know, just as much as the chief exec does, everyone has their role to play. And if everybody pulls their role, then the organisation succeeds. But if the cleaning staff wasn't able to do the cleaning, then the building couldn't run. And that's when it really affects the community. 
Now, I want to talk to you about insourcing versus outsourcing. I think this is a really, really interesting topic. And I think at the moment, we've seen a huge amount of organizations moving back towards um, insourcing of, of not just facilities, but a lot of service functions is potentially moved towards a labor administration and um, and people look to kind of retain control, um, but also maybe a lack of faith in the private sector. We've, we, you know, we've talked a bit about it off layer about Carillion and, you know, that kind of did shake the the faith in the private sector to, you know, deliver contracts as they said they want to do for the cost they said they were doing. So at Ealing, so I understand you guys, have, you've got your own in-house delivery team, don't you? So you've insourced facilities management. But caveat is that. So we we do. Um, we insource quite a few time ago, but we obviously have supply chain that we really use for um, different tools. Relevant lots, so mechanical, electrical, and firing tools, and that sort of stuff. But we do have in house teams that carry out both uh, hard services and soft services for creative and flat pack work. But we do still uh, start out a fair bit of employment to a secured public procured contractor. So I have experience of, of both sides of Bitcoin, having worked with a previous PFM provider. Um, so hopefully outsourced operation, versus an in-source operation, versus a sort of mix of the two, uh, sort of hybrid model, if you like. Um, so I'm well versed on on the argument, I suppose, and uh, see both sides as well, personally. Um, I think the one thing I would say about insourcing versus outsourcing is it's never quite as crude as that, insourcing versus outsourcing. There is obviously um, certain factors at play based on the operation and where you're working and what it is you need to provide. Um, you know, I think most people have an opinion on what they prefer in the model, but I think you need to be careful on where it is you're working and what it is you can provide in how to versus what, what it is you can get from an outsource provider and then obviously the values and um, that sort of stuff as well. So it is a bit of a minefield actually, but it's, uh, it's an interesting question. It does get used a bit of a political football sometimes you feel as if you know because essentially if everyone listening at home insourcing is where a council would deliver its own services um so you know you'd have your own uh, engineers your own accountants or your own cleaners and you deliver it in-house outsourcing is where you go to a company and you say right we're going to pay you to do that service and then essentially the job of the internal staff then is to um sorry if you're going to hear my phone ringing there guys it's very rude of me uh, put that on silent um is to ensure that value is achieved from that contract. And it, it is a really interesting one. And I think, you know, it's it's topic we'll do more on in the future. Um, but so, Tom, for yourself, what does it mean to you to work for local government? What does local government mean to you? For me, I think local government is, without just nothing, sort of, uh, it's just corny, whatever. I've been in it a long time, my whole career, since, since 2008. Um, I've worked in the uh, in the council that I grew up in, uh, went to school in, uh, actually have one of my primary schools in, had one of them be the pastor. So I have a huge emotional attachment to council I work for. But local government is a wider piece, obviously. Um, it does mean a lot to me. I think, as we mentioned, we spoke about COVID, and, you know, sort of unsigned heroes and that sort of thing. I do think local government has had a hard time of it over quite some some time when we've had pretty much since I joined in 2008, it's been, you know, cost, cost saving, etc. I think that's the same thing happens across the country. Um, and it really has sort of made me 
realising how important the place development is in the lives of in the community. We mentioned photography here, um, but we need to be able to provide FM two sides to allow services to run for users of that community. Um, and I think once once you link it all together, you know what we're doing a job that allows them to have it. You can say you're private. Um, so having grown up in the area um, and seen the work done firsthand, yeah, it doesn't make proud. I think you know, I wouldn't say that in local government for a long time, I wasn't passionate about it. Um, I think as an employer as well, local government being this could be a little bit into a career. Um, I couldn't be highly happy working within the government. It means a lot to you. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's an important piece. I mean, I, I love that. You know, you grew up in, in Ealing. Uh, you've worked in Ealing and, and now you can see the the impact the work that you do has on on the communities of Ealing and that's just so wonderful kind of that almost that circle of of life as it were you mm-hmm. know um, and it's wonderful Tom and I actually uh, thank you to yourself and I know it's not about Ealing but to you and your team at Ealing for doing such a great job it's fantastic um, to somebody at home who perhaps has listened to this and gone you know what I, I hadn't thought about facilities as a job What's the best way to, to look at opportunities for, for themselves in, in facilities? You know, how do you get started? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's um, probably something that people don't get started. So obviously, first thing I would do is obviously quick Google into facilities management or IWFA, which is basic facilities management. There's some information around courses and, and stuff they can do to help people get started on the ladder in terms of FM if you want to go with the academic route. Obviously, depending on what within a family you want to do, uh, we've done a route through as well. So, if people want to start up doing an apprenticeship in some form of trade um, discipline, that's one way into FM. Uh, again, generally through through cleaning, which is very good, depending on what it is. Uh, I would encourage people to go online, do a quick search, um, even look at stuff around college open days. Um, you can also, I would say, you know, contact, excuse me, get in contact with your local council. Um, I'd be happy to have conversations with people if they were doing to get in touch. Um, we've we've been working those in the past here and draw a lot of other places out as well. So we do an apprenticeship scheme here. I actually came through an apprenticeship scheme for, in 2008. So I, I sort of stayed and came all the way through from, like I went to school in the I was an apprentice here. Um, and made my way up that way. So there's plenty of options out there. As I say, it is such a minefield. So um, you probably didn't, it would be quite difficult to sort of pinpoint exactly where you want to go and when you start. But if you a quick Google search and uh, look on the IWFM website, would be probably nice. That's amazing, Tommy. You you remind me a lot of actually of, uh, of 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 the chief executive of Lancaster who I had on the other day who started is a in cleaning as a temporary cleaner and worked his way up and. Uh, you know it's amazing to to see your journey from apprenticeship to and i think that's why apprenticeship is so amazing because it allows people the chance to learn skills uh, in a safe environment to try out all the different sections and, and uh, sections and that's why you know apprenticeships are so great and why this you know hopefully the government coming in continues to support the utilization of apprenticeships not just in local government but throughout society but tom it's been lovely talking to you today thank you so much for your time um and uh Everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Tom Smith, Head of Facilities at the London Borough of Ealing, talking to myself around facilities and their importance within local government and within the community. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thanks, Matt. Today's episode is sponsored by the UK Leisure Framework, the UK's only dedicated leisure framework. 
The UK Leisure Framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping, design and construction of leisure, centres and sports facilities. The framework is available to all UK public sector organisations and has completed over 100 projects to date. For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.